Welcome to a special mini episode of the Movie Babies. Why it's do I the, get the feeling this is not going to be mini? <laughs> it's the Movie Babies, the college years. That's right. That little Movie Baby is all grown up, and, you know, these two boobs nurtured that little Movie Baby, and now that trailer, it's a full-grown movie. I appreciate the metaphor for yes. that. It's so convoluted. I, like... Like if we, if we succinctly like make it like, tra- tra- uh, movie babies uh, cry through the movie or something like that. Like I get like that, I get that. There's like a brevity thing. Uh, Sean. Yeah. A movie baby is a trailer. <laughs> we're two boobs because okay. we're idiots. Okay. Two boobs feed babies. Okay. Do you know that part? Yeah. So. Okay. Didn't we... you watch the, the stork? Trailer? No. I guess I'm a little did, behind did, oh, on that. Didn't you watch uh, Boss Baby? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They okay. explain that in okay. Boss Baby. When a baby grows up mm-hmm. and goes to the real world, in this case college, <laughs> like... Like Saved by the Bell? Like Saved by the Bell. Mm. This is it. Like, this is the movie... This is a trailer in college, and I guess when a movie's an adult, does that mean it's like video games? So when we ever review a video game trailer, that would be, like, the baby. I wish I could make a gif of my face right now as you explain <laughs> this. It's a lot like Winona Ryder winning the Strange Things award. Huh? Huh? And I'm just trying to explain the yes. lore of what a movie baby is. Yeah. What? It doesn't matter. It doesn't what, matter. What you, the audience, need to know is we watch the trailer split. In our first very episode. first episode, and now that movie is in the theater, and Sean and I have seen that movie, and we're going to give you a review of that movie. Did it live up to the hype of that trailer? Yeah, we're coming down from the mountain with the tablet to let you know what M. Night Shyamalan, a.k.a. Yeah. God, has bestowed upon us. And we're this lowly peasants. Yeah, we're just saying... Uh, Messengers. Yeah, we're just the messengers. Uh, we, we wear white robes. We wear diapers. And we wear diapers. Oh, see, now the metaphor is working again. <laughs> I'm back on board. Um, so I will say this. There will be spoilers in this review. Big time. So if you have not seen Split, I would advise jumping off now. Yeah, you should split. <laughs> Before you do that. Uh, Sean, let's just give your overall review of Split. Would you recommend it? As a movie? Yes. Or as a trailer? As a movie. Yes. I recommend Split. And I would also recommend Split. So there's your review. If you do not want the spoilers, go see it. Yeah. It's worth your 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 while. And now... The dirty stuff. Boys and girls. (laughs) So, Sean, uh, both of us liked the original trailer. We both gave it, like, a lot. We did. Which is the highest tier you can give it. That's pretty rare that we both... Give it the highest, right? Yeah. I mean, it's happened few and far between, okay. sure. Yeah. Yeah, there was enough in the trailer to make me really be like, I, I, I'm i curious to know the, the mystery. What's the M. Night twist? What's the twist? Yeah. And my big, I think my big draw of that first trailer, too, was with the multiple personalities, it's like, they can go anywhere. Right. And, like, it seemed like um, 
McAvoy was going to give a good performance. Right. Tied with that with Shyamalan and his twist, mm-hmm. I was like, this could go places. Yeah. As the movie opens, we're introduced to our main character. Yes. Um, a loner. A loner. She's kind of in the corner off to the side at this birthday party. An outcast. Yeah. She's not friends with these she's people. She's a rebel and she rebels. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. There's our Rogue One reference. She's the she's the Lydia of Beetlejuice of all this. She's kind of like, you know, wearing dark sunglasses off in the corner at this party that she got pity invited to yep. by the more popular girls in her art class. Kind of odd, convoluted, like, setup for this whole thing. Yeah. But as the trailer shows, she ends up getting a ride back home with the popular girl's family because her ride doesn't come for her mm-hmm. because there's some trouble in her family history we will come to find out. Um, just like in the trailer, the dad gets ransacked by James McAvoy. Who and, we, had, and we come to our first question yeah. of my the trailer. When he gets ransacked, he drops some things on the ground by the car. We were really <laughs> curious what got dropped, right? Yeah. Because they're think bright red. And they're, they're really bright red. And they're like, what is it? What is it? I think my guess was TV dinner. Pretty close. It was like the leftovers, the, the leftovers from, the from the restaurant. Yeah. So point for Devin. I'm the god now. Yeah, you figured it out. If not, you can't trick me. I know <laughs> there, all your twists. There's there's a constant um, theme throughout M Night movies where color um, becomes extremely important, and I, it's confusing to me because I've looked up people's fan theories about this. Right, like. You remember back in Signs, like, when things were red, like, something scary was about to happen. Sure. You remember in, what's the one in the woods? Uh, Cabin in the Woods. No. Nope. The Village. The Village. In The Village, um, if you wear red, it brings the monster. If you wear yellow, it neutralizes the monster. That's right, yeah. It's even part of the storyline of the film. Sure. Yeah. I didn't see Lady in the Water, but I think, like, the blue of that was, like, it elicited something. There was some impactful thing. When the color came on, it meant something to the movie. And I'm not... 100% sold on if these are like, you know, uh, other than like a maybe alert system or whatever, I don't think yeah. they have inherent meaning necessarily. But I feel like because we're trained to do that, we kind of Pavlov dog bell to those TV dinners and we're like, that looks significant. Yeah. But with that said, if there is one director I feel like who would like forcibly try to put meaning into something, mm-hmm. it would be M. Night. Like, I guess, but I also feel like he'd also be the first in an interview to be like, yeah, I did this, and that meant this. Like, <laughs> give me give me uh, credit yeah. for this. Yeah. I, I'm thinking more than, like, Zack Snyder is um, <laughs> when I make a movie. But Do you think they have rivalry? I, that'd be, like, a fun, weird, like, director rival, like, <laughs> M. Night and Zack Snyder. Like, not even in the same Echelon, playground. Yeah. yeah. But, like, for some reason, they just got the biggest beef. They're beefing because they're like, I use colors better. And he's like, <laughs> no, I use a lack of colors better. <laughs> um, and throughout the story, they're kind of figuring out, you know, they're kind of trying to figure out, like, wh- why were they picked? What's going on? Is this, this going to be, like, a? did he abduct us to, like rape us or like what's going on they're trying to figure it out and that induces a lot of panic and then there's kind of a factional division between the three girls where the two more popular girls are like we need to jump this guy yeah we need to we need to take action before he kills us i believe in the trailer they say we need to go crazy on this guy and i cannot believe they resist the urge to put the heart song crazy on you as the needle drop (laughs) that but um main character chick from the witch is like no, I'm going to read this situation. I need more information. Yes. And we start to kind of understand that, okay, she's maybe experienced, maybe not an abduction, but something before. She's a little too calm about the situation. And, yeah, she's, 
her attitude towards it is just like let him do what he needs to do just let him need do to survive just this. let him do it yeah he has the power there's nothing we can do about it at present that which is terrifying in and of itself i mean it's terrifying both ways throughout the movie they keep visiting with this um psychologist who's kind of specializing in this in this character kevin this has been going on and there's maybe 23 or 20 something odd numbers of characters but that three of them are getting stronger and are able to kind of take control um well it's pretty it's convoluted but it's pretty cool in that it's a multiple personality issue wherein there's conflict within that character which is good for any interesting character in a movie that there's this conflicting well i want to do this but i have to do this yeah if you remember in the original review of this, we talked about the premise of this where there was physical changes when he changed characters. When he becomes the beast? Or anybody. When he Any, becomes anybody. Him. Like, yeah. some people could be stronger than another personality. Right. When he's the kid, he can't open the door when they're all holding the door. Because he's weaker. Cause he's and weak, like, but when he becomes the janitor... Yeah, and so and then the movie even goes on to say, like, sometimes there's one personality that's blind... And the other personalities won't be blind. Right. Or, like, one personality will have a peanut allergy and needs uh, to take shots. Diabetes or but, something. Yeah, have yeah. diabetes. And the other characters don't. Yeah. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Turns out there might be some le- legitimacy <laughs> to this, which blows my mind. It's... it's- uh, interesting, and it you know jumps from reality to like a more fun take on that concept or whatever pretty quickly when James McAvoy starts becoming the beast in which his body does like get veiny and buff and strong, and he's able to like take bullets without yeah he damage. turns into Bane he turns into Bane pretty much um, and is faster and stronger and and is flesh eating and like he's like. He becomes a monster. Yeah, and so that comes to my first nitpick, though, where the lady, she can she buys into this disorder. Mm-hmm. Like, the rest of the science community doesn't really believe it. Right, she's uh, doing talks and stuff and kind of having to convince yeah. so these she's other like, professors. No, this, this. Is, this is real, you know, all the personalities are different. And so when McAvoy tells her, like, oh, no, there's another personality I have. It's the Beast. She, like, right away blows it, like, no. You can't have 24 personalities. 23 is the top. 23. It's like, what? You believe everything else? Yeah. Like, why is him turning into, like, a really strong primal beast-type character different from another person being blind and then not being blind? Well, I don't know. I mean, we kind of had some, like, we were kind of sparring about, like, what the deal with this, the psychologist character was. And because... She's not like a main focal point character. We're not always sure of her intentions. And yes. some of the potential intentions she had was to maybe downplay this beast character as a fantasy to keep it from coming Alive. to fruition. That's interesting. You know, I'll say this too. She was my favorite character of that film. Yeah. She could have easily been manipulative. To the point where she just wanted to further her career, maybe. Yeah, be that kind of Or character. stopping the plot in some way. Yeah. But you actually like this lady. She's, and you feel bad. You feel bad when she dies in the end. Yeah. And you see in the film, the film does a nice job showing, oh, no, she actually cares about this person. Yeah, the there's it's something that, like, I think the Halloween movies didn't quite get with the psychologist character that's chasing around Michael Myers as kind of being, like, the information... 
barren of like what what this character is capable of yeah. and yada 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 um, and it's kind of coming from that lineage but where that character kind of becomes this like Scooby-Doo detective or whatever yeah the character that we get the psychologist character in this movie that we get is a little more interesting because she goes to the compound almost in hopes to disprove that anything bad is going on yeah she wants this character to not be doing what she might suspect is some kind of like abduction or like sacrifice or whatever is going on yeah. and she's kind of going there to like hopefully prove that that's not the case but yeah. as it turns out it is it is she kind of well, goes into panic mode or whatever and then that's when she gets overtaken and uh, you talking about that too also made me realize oh as this guy's abducting people his personalities are abducting him in a way right as yeah. well. Okay, so, I mean, I guess we don't have to handhold the audience through the plot of the movie. If you saw the movie, you know what you happens. You saw the movie. Let's just jump around to some of the highlights. Yeah, go for it. When M. Knight's on top, mm-hmm. he does he does characters in a way where muted isn't the right word, but they're not over the top, right? Okay, yeah. So I think McAvoy... There's restraint. There's restraint to it. I think mm-hmm. McAvoy could have easily overplayed all of these characters. Sure. To the point where wacky. they're wacky and goofy, like a Jim Carrey in this role is, mm-hmm. or something. And they do feel like, you know, maybe their own their own personalities, but they are this one guy. I like that presentation of the character. I, I feel like he hit it in that sweet spot. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. The, um, the kid character was maybe my biggest complaint. So the purpose of that character is to kind of be the Achilles heel of the team inside of Kevin. Yes. And a potential for an escape route for the girls if they can manipulate this weaker, feeble-minded character within uh, the host that they can maybe get their way out. Yes. But when he plays the kid character with the lisp and the constant misuse of the word etc. and like... Oh, and like yeah. All that stuff is like, it's played up for comic relief, and you know, there's a couple good uses I, of it. But for the most part, I was kind of like, this is kind of annoying and silly. And when he starts doing the dance uh, to the Kanye song in the middle, I was like, okay, you're right. The, the dance didn't work for me. And also, yeah, the Cedra, they played it up as a catchphrase to the point where the lady in the back of me is like, oh, he keeps saying et cetera. Yeah. Like, she was really pumped about it. So I do see why they it did it. It was his don't have a cow, man. What? It was his don't have a cow, yeah, man. Yeah, it was his Simpsons Eat reference. shorts. So that is one of my missteps of this movie. Mm. Uh, some of the dialogue, I think, wasn't that strong. Yeah, kind of clunky. Maybe not one of M. Night's strongest features. I mean, wherein his cinematography is great, his movement of the yeah. camera is, like, always very interesting. The, yeah, because the other weak point was the editing. There's some weird editing choices. One that we both were like, what? Oh, Where man. the psychologist lady is having a conversation with, like, another older gentleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of montage this conversation where we're seeing... Um, different shots of this park that they're walking through as they're having the conversation. And in in an establishing shot of that, we see two old people, a man and a woman, walking towards the camera in the foreground who are not those characters having a conversation. But we're hearing the conversation of the two characters that we're talking about 
so the lip reading, you're looking at these characters like, wait, wait, what the fuck am I looking at? Yeah, it's very confusing and disorienting. Yes, and then it cuts to either them on a bench elsewhere or walking the other direction, and it just <laughs> looked like the weirdest fuck-up of an edit. Uh, I do think it's probably not seeing all of his recent movies, but I feel like this is probably one of his better recent ones, though. Yeah, well, coming off of, I mean, we have bitched about Avatar, we've yeah. bitched about um, Lady in the Water, but I can't really because I didn't see it. But, like, the happening yeah. being kind of overly goofy and just a bizarre concept anyway. And um, But his strong ones being Signs, mm-hmm. arguably Sixth Sense, um, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Unbreakable. Unbreakable, and that's where we get our time. And now we got to get to the twist. Yeah. What is the twist? And to me, this is M. Night's greatest twist of all because if you went into the new year going... Hey, you know what, Hollywood? I'm sick of your sequels. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of like your overt these like remakes and mm-hmm. reimagining. I just want an original story. Hey, split. Thank Whoa. you, M. Night. Yeah. Thank you, M. Night. And then M. Night said, "Guess what? Fuck you. <laughs> this is a sequel, motherfucker. <laughs> this is Unbreakable Two, or this a, is Unbreakable Two. Uh, splintered what? off uh, uh, spinoff of of Unbreakable." In kind of maybe the most genius way, even though it's very clunky the way they do the reveal. It's very at the end. clunky. So at the very end of the trailer, we're in a restaurant. All this stuff has happened. They find out about the beast character and this guy having multiple personalities. And, and then the girls being abducted the, and rescued. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the weirdest dialogue happens when an old lady's like, "This reminds me of this weird." Unbreakable character. This Mr. Glass, Mr. Glass, guy. Glass What was guy. his name? What was his name? Yeah. And then there's a cameo of Bruce Willis. Yeah, and the camera kind of drifts past the old woman and it reveals Bruce Willis. And me and Devin looked at each other like, what? No! And then it cuts. Well, and it, 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 but before it cuts, he says, oh, yeah, there was, she's like, what was the name of that guy? And he's like, Mr. Glass. And, and we're like, oh, fuck. And then they play the unbreakable theme yeah. through the end credits. When they reveal that, here's the thing. That movie, Unbreakable, came out 16 years ago. Yeah, but I think they're accounting for that time lapse in Split. But that part is not the problem. The problem is, if you went and saw this movie, and you didn't see a movie 16 years ago... (laughs) That wasn't even that popular. That Uh was, like, kind of... It's a great movie, but... It wasn't a huge hit, from my understanding. Did, it wasn't signed level. It wasn't success six sense level. Yeah. I it's think the, it's, it's the critically acclaimed one. It's the fan favorite one, but perhaps yeah. not the most uh, general audience. Exactly. And I have read online where, like, I don't know what Unbreakable is, so that just confused me. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Because that would be weird to get to that point in the movie and be like, gosh, that was kind of a cool, creepy, fun abduction movie but then Bruce Willis popped up at the end yeah. like it was a Marvel movie it'd, and be, it was... it'd be a bummer I think it doesn't ruin it because it's not it's more of like a stinger mm-hmm. and maybe they should have put it as a stinger yeah, they should have put it post credits maybe and then like people but then can... that's but, but it's in that universe he's obviously trying to do this specifically I think you do it as a stinger though because at least then you have the movie mm-hmm. and then like because people are used to the Marvel stingers yeah. and them not making sense because always the Marvel stingers are like, who the hell is that character? I, go on the internet and I have to go out. on the internet and figure it out. <laughs> and so that's what this should have been. But instead, you're wrapping up this really well-told story, 
And then it leaves you with this question mark. Yeah. And it's like that kind of puts a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. And so I hadn't seen Unbreakable since probably its release. Mm. I luckily understood the reference. Right. Uh, well, and we were both kind of the whole time we were watching the movie, we were kind of like, this kind of has an Unbreakable vibe. It had a vibe of it, yeah. And so we went and watched Unbreakable. Uh, like a couple of days after. Yeah. And what was your thoughts on Unbreakable? Um, when it first came out, I didn't care for it. I thought it was really kind of like slow paced and not what I was looking for. Yeah. When people were like, oh, it's a superhero movie. I was like, fuck that. Yeah. And probably at that time in 2000 when I was in high school, I wanted the type of superhero movies we're getting we're right now. We're finally getting now, yeah. Yeah, and I'm over that. I want, what I really want in my heart of hearts is superhero movies like this. Unbreakable, that are bizarre. Yeah and kind of glacial and kind of, like, not really uh, accessible as what you'd think a superhero movie. It yeah. subverts, like, the, oh, there's no costume, but what's in place of a costume is a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. It subverts, like, the superpowers on display as, like, kind of you're cutting away from it and hearing about it later type things. And, and when I feel like Unbreakable 2, more than any film, cements M. Night as a good director. Yeah. Because my feeling about him was like, okay, maybe he got lucky on Sixth Sense, Mm -hmm. you know, and Signs was okay. And then, like, I'm still very bitter about Avatar. Mm -hmm. But watching Unbreakable, I'm like, oh, no, he actually, when he's on his A-game, he's on his A-game. Like, the camo work is amazing. I love his slow, like, more methodical pace to it. Mm -hmm. And so all of that was like right on. He's like really steeped in this Hitchcockian type of storytelling and strong visual aspect and doing interesting things with the camera. And that has kind of stayed true to his style like all throughout. Mm -hmm. And it might, he might be not the auteur um, that he was prescribed to us as. Like his writing and his ideas and maybe his self grandeur and like no one telling him no, uh, maybe to his detriment. Um, but his directing ability is always on point. Yeah. Even in these movies that make very little sense and stuff, he's always making them look awesome. Watching Unbreakable made me realize why he was so bad for Avatar. Because, yeah, I think he's at his strongest when he, the slow, yeah, that not slow pace, not action. Every time I think of Avatars when... <laughs> They're doing this dance to, like, summon the earth. Yeah. And then, like, three pebbles slowly mm-hmm. float across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's, 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 he's doing haikus when he needs to be doing, like, full-on gangster rap. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's one way to put it. Uh, th- well, and so, not to cut to the chase too hard, but, like, yeah. so we were talking about, well, what does this mean for Split to be the sequel to Unbreakable? These two films that very round the barn get you into yeah. a superhero universe. Does this mean that the third movie installment that this is kind of teasing is going to have to be some type of action movie where Bruce Willis's unbreakable character, what is it, Dave Down or whatever? Unbreakable. He's unbreakable. Where Bruce Willis's character has to battle James McAvoy's character because now he's out on the loose. Yeah. And are we going to get kind of like a Batman versus Superman type of action film out of M. Night Shyamalan? To which, when we were having our conversation after the movie, we were yeah. kind of like, I kind of hope not. Yeah, well... So I was kind of pumped on the idea just because the twist of, oh, it's a sequel to Unbreakable. Like, I was kind of pumped on the idea just because it was so left field. Mm -hmm. The more I've thought about it and, like, after watching Unbreakable, the more I'm kind of feeling worried about how you're going to make a third film. Right. 
So in the Split universe, the powers are personalities. It's like based off a real thing. If you're tying them together, does that mean Unbreakable and Mr. Glass? With him being Unbreakable, is that a personality that he had? Uh, or does he just have superpowers? <laughs> like, No, I mean, I think it's more of a general superpower thing. I mean, like... Are you saying that the rooting the power in some type of realistic thing, like multiple personality disorder is a real world yes. thing that we're kind of starting to understand, and so therefore now we're taking that to an extreme to make it a yeah, are these super villain. powers. Yeah. And then and then whatever he says, systemic fibrosis or whatever, his like actual condition of like brittle bones is like, okay, well that's an actual thing, but he's got the hyper crazy version of it where yeah. um, Well, is that the tie in? Is this everyone has a weird rare disease and they're not all the same disease, but if you have a weird disease, chances are you're a superhero. You, you're a superhero. Well, that's interesting, and it ties it into when we were riffing in the trailer about like the X Men, like oh maybe the girls are X Men and they're being uh, yeah, and they're like, being like he's rounded profes- up by Professor X or yeah. whatever. That um, that you know, there's this kind of freak element of the X Men, and like they're kind of marginalized because of their powers are scary to people or whatever. Mm -hmm. And here M. Night's kind of used this kind of trick of like, it's trauma in a life experience that kind of trigger these superpowers. Yeah. Because even in Unbreakable, he kind of had some traumas, right? Yeah, the trauma of Bruce Willis's character almost... No, he gets in the car... I don't remember what it is. there's There's a potential... Drowning, which is a trauma to him. So his and his kryptonite is drowning. His water. He's afraid of water. So with that said, if you knew your kryptonite was drowning and that's mm. the only thing that could hurt you, wouldn't you just be like your superhero costume just be like scuba gear? <laughs> like well, your little scuba I love, Steve. That's what I love about how subtle it is because it's it's a it's a raincoat. It's a raincoat, you know? yeah. Which is his costume looks awesome yeah. in that too. It's so in that raincoat. Perfectly subdued and just it's very great. He either it's either the car crash or it's this drowning incident, but they're the discovering of his powers well, are based and out of also his wife. Like and he's the, have, he's having marital He's having marital problems, problems. And, and the train crash and everything. Yeah. And like, these realizations, I was like, "Oh man, I'm I, I have this extra healing ability um, based out of these kind of traumatic things." And and in the split universe, um, James McAvoy's character, we find out that his mother abused him, yeah. and that's where these personalities started to develop from, yeah. um, as ways to kind of escape that. Um, which sounds like it's you know derived from probably real-life stories of personality disorders coming from people trying to cover up a trauma or get away from yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that's all pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, I like that pitch. I do like, like, when you spin it that way, people with trauma or even people who have, like, diseases and you think about kind of like the untouchables mm-hmm. uh, or, like, lepers, lepers and stuff. Yeah, like kind of pariah. Where, yeah, they're kind of mm. the outcasts, and, like, X-Men, they're the outcasts of society. Yeah. And so, like, these ones, like, some of these people with these traumas or diseases, that's developed into what we would call superheroes. Mm. Like, that's that's a pretty interesting take. Yeah, it's kind of a cool empowerment thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, well, let's talk about the main character. Casey. Casey. Yeah. Um, Because she has her own trauma. Yeah. And so her trauma, we find out, is like her father's friend or her uncle has been sexually abusing her since she was a kid. Yeah. We find this out in these flashbacks that are triggered by... They're kind of nightmares that she has when she's asleep in the bunker. Yeah. And the flashbacks, I thought, 
were put in pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Usually that's a real bummer. But yeah, they, so they I, some of the editing was bad, but in the sense of the flashbacks, the editing was pretty seamless. And it was cool that they used them in these dream parts because you'd run the gamut of the trauma of the day of them like trying to escape or something like yes. that. And then you'd need these moments of kind of a break and then you'd have her asleep dreaming these kind of horrible instances. But what you got sprinkled in over time, like the severity of those issues. So like it became this nice kind of visual conceit to go back to. And what I liked about the flashbacks too, it wasn't flashbacks too, it wasn't obvious what would happen. In the flashbacks, he's hunting with her dad and the uncle mm-hmm. and learning how to use the gun. I first thought, oh. It's all foreshadowing for her like, shooting the She's going to shoot her dad or, or something. Oh, like, that's, I thought that's something, the I thought the trauma was going to be like she shot her dad or something like that. And that's why she deserves to be abducted or whatever in, yeah, guy, so, in the bad guy's mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then we find out, oh, no, the, the uncle was the, the bad yeah, uncle. The uncle was the diddler. Uh, and then something happens to the dad, so then she has to live with the uncle. Yeah, when the dad dies, the uncle becomes becomes her care, her legal guardian. Also, that reveal comes kind of towards the end. I like that because at first, as we discussed, like, she's like, just go with it. And, and it's very, it's like, as a viewer, you're like, oh, like, it makes you kind of like, no, don't yeah, fight. Like, yeah. you, you don't understand why she's playing it. She's playing it like that. Yeah. But then when you get that reveal, you kind of like see like, oh, no, this is why she's just like, just go with it. Like, just get it over with, and move on to the next thing. Do you think it's that, or do you think it was her placating the bad guy until she got enough information to know how to escape? I, I, I took it as her kind of being the victim at that point, because I think that's her arc. Because at the very end, she has to fight back against the beast. Which she couldn't do with the uncle. Which she couldn't do with the uncle. She tried, but she couldn't shoot him. Yeah. yeah, and so I think that's the arc. And also, at the very end, she's in the cop car, and you find out she's still living with the uncle. And, oh, yeah, yeah, that's and who's the, come to pick her up. And that's who's come to pick her up. And there's kind of, the film does, I think, a brilliant job, too, leaving that ambiguous on what she's going to do. Is she going to finally stand up to her uncle, or is she still going to play that victim role. Right, we don't know. It's unreal. We don't know. And so that's why I think in those beginning parts, it isn't so much she's like thinking of a plan. It's just like this is her life. We just shut down when she bad shit happens. She just shuts down when yeah. bad things happen. And so uh, that's the way uh, I saw it playing out. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I for some reason I feel like while I was watching the movie, I was of the mind that she was letting the card, letting the chips fall where they may to gain more information so that she had a better... She could find her opportunity. Because I later mean, when she tries to get the kid to take her out the window, when she hears about the yeah. window and the walkie-talkie, so, she's like, I, I, that's the moment I was waiting for. Yeah, so I, I mean, potentially both are true. Because yeah. she does do that, too. Where mm-hmm. she does find an opening where, like, oh, I can take advantage of this one weaker personality to find us an escape. Right. Um, which makes me have to go to this... The biggest no-no of this movie slash trailer, the trailer gives it away. Yeah. So not in the trailer we we reviewed, but in trailer, I believe, two, I'll link it in this episode. They give you that plot away where they set up in the trailer her playing the kid, the kid saying, well, you should see my window, and her trying to escape from the window. Mm -hmm. That's a big tension point 
of the movie and really the only time she's trying to escape. And so I knew what was gonna happen because in trailer two that I had watched on my own, they show you finding the window and it's just a- It's a it's, drawing. It's a drawing, it's yeah. fake. And her, she's crushed because that was yeah, her escape. Yeah, that, that's, that's the act two like break point where we get that reveal and it's like, oh fuck, you just gave that away in the trailer? Cause there weren't a lot. Like, yeah. sometimes the at, these action movies, they can get away with it because mm-hmm. there's so many, there's so much spaghetti they're throwing out the yeah, wall. Yeah, for sure. But this one, yeah, the movie was really built on her manipulating that character and finding that window. And so if you already know yeah, that I'm it's, really glad that I somehow glossed over seeing that and was just overly mad at this trailer when it was in theaters because it was being played so often that I would kind of check out and yeah. pick up on that. But that sucks that you noticed it and then we're sitting through that sequence being like, well, it's just going to be a drawing. That really ruins the suspense of that yeah, build so, up. So sh- sh- shame, shame. Yeah. Shame. Uh, they, they might as well have put in the trailer, oh, Bruce Willis is dead the whole time, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we tie up this review, uh, another thing connecting the two films, Unbreakable and Split, one thing I read is in Split, we find out that McAvoy's trauma is that his dad leaves, correct? Yeah, his dad leaves, and that's why the mom kind of starts being abusive or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and so it's implied that the dad takes off on a plane, or on the, a sorry, train. on yeah. a train, mm-hmm. a plane, a train, or an automobile. Which <laughs> like uh, a bun, so. <laughs> uh, The dad leaves on the train, so he visits the train and, like, leaves flowers and he thinks. Right when he's becoming the beast. And then right after that, he transforms into the beast. Mm. Uh, And this takes place in Philadelphia, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, like, Philadelphia flyer stickers, like, all over everything subtly throughout the movie. So Unbreakable also takes place in Philadelphia. Well, it turns out most of M. Night's movies do. Oh, that's interesting itself. Which was interesting in my movie baby's mind being like, well, all of his movies exist in the same universe. (laughs) Yeah. But I think at least it was a tip. To be like, well, Unbreakable and, and Split are yeah. in the same universe. Um, well, so some of the theories I read is in Unbreakable, the big turning point is Bruce Willis survives this train accident. Mm-hmm. And so the train is the East Rail 177 accident. So there's theories that McAvoy's father was on that train yeah. where everybody died. And, he, and, and the only on. one that survived was Bruce Willis's character. Mm. So if that's true, that's a nice setup, too, where McAvoy is, could take some of that anger out on Bruce Willis. It was like, you survived the train wreck that my father died on. Yeah, or at least that draws the two characters together because it's their connection. That's their connection, yeah. yeah. So, I mean... Th- yeah, in good comic book setup tradition, that's that's a cool connection for those characters to have. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah. So now that you're having this conversation, you're kind of selling me again on this... Um, Becoming a Doomsday versus Superman yeah, kind like, of third movie. They're making a third movie. Yeah. So I, I think it, Shyamalan's going to have to bring his A game, maybe get a writer in there to help him out. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, now I'm just kind of curious to see what he what he has in store for this. I kind of hope he's not just making it up as he goes and just dumbly stumbling upon these kind of nice setup yeah. motifs or whatever, but that he kind of has a, an, an end plan with what to do with this as a franchise like so as as a wrap-up 
I don't know if I'm ready to wrap up because I have this. Oh, do you have I more? Have, I have a theory. Oh, yeah, let's keep going. I I had an expectation when Casey was defending herself in the cage at the end of the movie against the beast. Yes. That when he when the beast was telling her why he abducted all the girls as being like they were these like lily white nothing bad ever happened to them no trauma like spoiled brats and that's why they were being chosen for the yeah, beast to because they, they haven't suffered they haven't suffered yes but as as we find out and unbeknownst to McAvoy, but as we find out, yeah. she has suffered. She's yeah. been this abuse victim this whole well, time. And then McAvoy does find out. Because she's riddled with these scars yes. and everything, and he infers from that, like, okay, you have experienced pain. You're one of us. Yeah. And he essentially kind of runs away with that kind of last exchange being like, you know, praise be to the beast or whatever. Like, you are one of us. Yeah. And I, so I had, my expectation was as soon as the janitor, the zookeeper guy came down to find her, yeah. that when he was like, oh, what are you doing down here? And she's sitting there holding the gun, that she was going to respond in like a British accent or something, or all of a sudden oh. be this kind of like second personality. Like, she got she infected. Got the, she got infected by that personality. But kind of through the mental manipulation of the situation or whatever and like that this being her secondary trauma kind of like birds in her yeah. a split power as well yeah in which case she could have access to the beast and like all these other things or whatever I was like I had this expectation but it didn't it didn't play out like that that'd be interesting um, but she but as being a marked trauma survivor character yeah in this universe that they're setting up, because she's a focal point character, it makes me long for her to develop a power because she's she, got the origin story. She should have a power. It would be great to see. Also, I think it would be cool, instead of McAvoy versus Bruce Willis, mm. if uh, Unbreakable teaches this girl to like kind of use the power. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Willis is kind of like a mentor type. She, she's character. Kind of a Batman Robin situation. Yeah, yeah, and she and he's trying to teach her to believe. Because mm-hmm. that was the unbreakable is that um, Bruce Willis's son mm-hmm. is like telling him, "No, you got to believe in yourself." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally, at the end, Bruce Willis is like, "You were right, son." Right. So, like, kind of playing that dynamic, like son daughter. It's the girl versus the beast versus like okay. setting up to get that. your retribution for being yeah. abducted and whatnot. Yeah, and it'd be nice to have like the female character as your main character rather than totally. Bruce Willis, especially because Bruce Willis is like, you know, he's in his whatever they call Twilight years yeah. as an action hero. Well, and his character too, with that raincoat and his look, mm-hmm. he'd make such a badass kind of like in the shadows mentor yeah, character. Totally, and 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 kind of being the Mister Glass of the first half of the yeah, Breakable like, movie, and he's to even her. turning into. His enemy, yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's kind of funny that, like, so then he would kind of be the um, Nick Fury of the Avenger assemblage. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, being that he's playing against Samuel L. Jackson, who was Nick Fury, but doing the recruitment mm-hmm. scout kind well, of role. You saying Edsman earlier in the conversation, too, makes me keep finding parallels between that, because now I want McAvoy's character... To basically go from being Professor X to going and being Magneto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, he's gathering his... Other superpower people. The other mutants. The other in the League of the Beasts. Yeah. And destroy humanity who yeah, has not and, suffered enough. And what's great about 
Magneto as a character. He's not a bad guy who's just doing bad things. He believes in what he's doing. Yeah. He thinks it's right. He thinks it's like a last resort. My brain is like blowing up because it's like the most masterful M. Night twist. <laughs> They're everywhere from Bruce Willis playing Samuel L. Jackson's uh, character <laughs> in Marvel and then McAvoy, McAvoy being, being Professor Magneto X. from Professor X. Uh, it's just yeah. like so many weird coincidences. The cork board uh, on, on in the in the in the wire office right now is just like full of yarn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So so the potentiality for this Unbreakable Three to be an all-out action movie versus another kind of slow-paced. Uh, build a team or I don't know what it could be like so, so that's what's weird is yeah it is seem like if you do a third one the build up for it kind of makes it where you have to do an Avengers style Marvel film where it's very action heavy or recruiting a team heavy right I don't know I mean that that maybe we're just saying that because we've been slapped in the face with that for the last several summers in a row yeah. from Marvel movies but do you think he could do a third one of this, which is like kind of like a conclusion to the story, where well, it's where it's like an unbreakable type pace? I don't know. I mean, it it would be the climax of the three, right? It would be the yeah. it would be it would make the most sense for that movie to to be an out all out action movie as as being the climax of the of the three parts being the three acts of one movie. Yes. Um, but because that's not how he operates strongly, I imagine he would resist the urge to do so. I hope that this projected third thing would be a cap on the whole thing. Like, yeah. let's tie this whole thing up and not have it go on forever. Or, or do you think in Knight's just like, fuck it, I'm going all yeah, in. I see what Marvel's I'm, doing. I want that money. I'm tying in all my movies. Yeah, maybe. Like, they're all in Philadelphia. Guess what? Signs... Is in this universe. Yeah, so aliens are going to come in the third. So now we have aliens. Unbreakable. There's going to be the village monsters. The village monsters uh, are there. Maybe that's just a weird personality they have. Yeah. Guess what? The wind's angry. <laughs> still mad. <laughs> the wind's still mad. It's blowing you over. Wahlberg's still singing uh, Old Black Water. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's... At, at the very least, M. Night has people talking. He's got all the cards right now. Yeah. Which is good because... Uh, for a long time, everybody has been like, that motherfucker lost the plot a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got a glimpse of it in The Visit that's like, oh, yeah, this isn't a good movie necessarily. Oh, that's the other thing. In Unbreakable 3, there'll be evil grandparents all over the place. <laughs> um, not well, now a, it's just hot fuzz. Yeah. Um, it's not a good movie, but um, I'm seeing inklings of his ability to at least parse out bits of his story in a compelling way such that when you get to the end you're like well maybe I predicted this or maybe I didn't but I'm, I've am i been entertained throughout and there's moments in all of his movies that are good tension moments yes. and um, and he's kind of been able to keep that muscle strong or whatever throughout. I would be in favor of the third one being an unbreakable type of subtle movie yeah. I would be extremely curious to see how that goes down what without do being overly boring. Yeah. If she, if the girl develops power, mm -hmm. what do you think her power would be? Are they even going to go that far where they all have, like, 
flight or spidey senses, or are they all just going to be like, I'm strong, you're strong. We're all strong. Maybe. I mean, so that's kind of... Can, the, the, so now you search for the metaphor, because I think he, yes. he... M. Night probably appreciates the... You'd think it would be like, okay, well, yeah, potentially, because she develops emotional strength through overcoming these traumas, like, that she would then be granted physical strength. Or she could have psychic powers. Well, yeah. If she had, like, some professorette-type mind manipulation... Mm-hmm. That could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, kind of as a as a development of her when she was trying to manipulate the kid, the kid character. Yeah. Um, within Kevin, which uh, is also interesting too, because when she was a kid, she was manipulated. Right. So that it becomes this like through line through her story that eventually she's able to like have a power of suggestion or something yeah. like that, which makes an interesting foil to. The beast and the multiple personalities, because she could, you know, on a normal person could maybe have the power of suggestion work and be like, "You're gonna go get me bagels," and you'd be like, "Oh, go get your bagels," because yeah. you're a one-minded well, person. I know you. I don't think you finished that season, but Jessica Jones, I think, is the best Marvel TV series production. Right. Uh, but one of the more interesting aspects of that movie is the, the bad guy. Character plays has mind powers and basically i don't think necessarily started as evil but like grew grew bored of having all this power and like not being able to get real connections and like are you just doing it because i'm somehow making you do it right and even in that one there's a strong like the female jessica jones you know she starts out as being a victim Mm. to something Right. Uh, so there's even some parallels uh, there. Yeah, I mean, it could be interesting because then she would, maybe her power wouldn't work on the beast because he's too complicated of a mind, or maybe it would work on certain characters yeah. um, of his multifaceted I mean, personality. that is just Jessica Jones now, though. Is it? Okay. Yeah, because the bad guy can't use his powers over Jessica Jones anymore. Well, of course, yeah. Um, I, I I feel like now that we've talked about it so much, I don't think they can wrap it up in one more movie. I think they can. It's just going to be a matter of do we keep the back door open? I think if you want, if they you want to, if you want to get into the idea of there being other personality, like other superheroes out there mm-hmm. and recruiting, that seems like a lot to fit into the movie. And yeah. then also them finding each other yeah. and then settling that. That seems. If if you put all those ideas in, I think you're gonna it's gonna be uh, too convoluted. Yeah, too convoluted. But maybe if we just finish it as okay, well, Mr. Glass prophesized that you know Mr. Unbreakable would have his like super archvillain, his Lex Luthor or whatever. Yeah. But like he doesn't have his like rogue gallop pantheon of like other bad guys and yeah. like that he could one to one combat with. Mm-hmm. And remember when Mr. Glass gets that first comic book and it's like. He's like just like salivating as he's explaining to the to the guy who's buying the comic for his kid, like, oh look at how this is like the perfect image of good versus evil. Like yes. see how the bad guy's head is a little bit bigger. Oh and the, yeah, and the, for sure. And blah 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 blah. And like he's just kind of fetishizing this like this like physical conflict and he's like really into that. Maybe the third movie will be Mr. Glass and the Beast, you know, kind of making a bad guy pact. And well, Mr. Glass is dead. Well, no, Mr. he's Glass in jail. In jail. Oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah. So maybe he's sidelined for the movie and he stays in jail, or maybe he he's out, 
or the beast breaks him out or whatever, and they're like, he's like with, with his um, tutelage, he can beat Unbreakable, and then he pits them against each other for his like master yeah. scheme or whatever. And then that's very comic booky, and, and you don't have to go into like, oh, well, Casey now has powers, so that means everybody else has powers. God, like, I love this so much. <laughs> like, it can still stay one to one, so it's, it's just kind of this like good guy, bad guy. Battle. Yeah, and you don't need to bring it because all the characters are already introduced. You don't need to yeah. reintroduce characters. You, yeah. you got them. Yeah, you I got love them. this. Uh, so before we wrap up, here's some things I just took no notes of. I wanted to say uh, when she first gets rescued from the zoo, I thought maybe that was a twist mm-hmm. that like <laughs> they were like, all animals all along. Like <laughs> yeah, like it was in her head, and like the beast was like. A bear from Cage Two, uh, uh, but the reason why I said that I need to rewatch it. Uh, at the end, the beast bends the bars, mm-hmm. and then when the security guard comes down to like rescue her, right. the bars aren't bent anymore. So you thought that she might have imagined. So that. I was like, "Oh, is this imagined?" So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's a production mistake or if there's some weird, legit reason for it. Yeah, interesting. I'm, I'm thinking maybe the former. Okay. Um, um, how, how did you feel about M. Night's cameo? He always makes oh, a cameo I in hate all these movies. He should not be... He, M. Night, don't make cameos. It's the same as, like, Quentin Tarantino, like, when he shows up in... He just starts moshing all over the movie. What was the one where he uses the Australian? Django or... Yeah. Yeah. At the end? It takes you out. Yeah, it's very weird. It's very weird. I you get know it. who gets to do that? It's, Alfred Hitchcock mm. and Stan Lee. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. And even he shouldn't be allowed to do it. Even he can't do it, but at least they play it for laugh. You're supposed to laugh. Yeah. And that's well, what happens. Like when M. Night shows up, I laugh. Yeah, well, when but Quentin that was intentional. Tarantino comes out, I yeah. laugh. His character, you're not laughing because the character written is funny. No, that he's he gives himself a, the joke. He's like, a Hooters is a great restaurant. And like, he's trying to persuade this old woman to be like, there's merit to go to Hooters because they make good food. Like, that, like that was the joke of that scene. Yeah. I just I just don't want him in. All right, get him out Get of out. Unless, unless this third movie we're talking about, this goes super meta. Mm. And, like, M. Night's the creator of this universe. He's the god. Yeah, he's the Stan Lee. He's the Stan Lee, uh... Damn it! There's like a Marvel, vil- like there's like a lot of meta Marvel stuff too, where it's like oh, yeah, the Watcher, the, the Watcher and, and yeah. stuff. So he's like the Watcher of this universe. Mm, so he pops in as these little roles, but like, but really, to just observe and, he's observing yeah. his creations, and then yeah. yeah. So if it goes, wouldn't that be nuts? Yeah. And that would be the ultimate twist. Or maybe he, maybe M Night. If all the mo- if all of his movies are in one universe, yes. and all of his cameos are within that universe, he's he has a split personality as well. He's a split, <laughs> he's and a split. he plays the computer repair guy and yeah. this, and the drug dealer and Unbreakable and like. And then it goes further. In real life, he admits he has multiple personalities, <laughs> and he's like, "Look, Avatar wasn't my fault. Yeah, that was that was Donnie's fault. Yeah, exactly." Donnie's the guy that makes the bad choices when I make the movies. Uh, um, did you get? Did you feel like it was a reference to Psycho when James McAvoy first comes out as the woman character? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not thinking about it, but just because it's M Night and his love of for Hitchcock. 
Hitchcock? Mm. Like, yes. All the answers okay. are yes. Okay, gotcha. I think that's it. Oh, there are only other things that I would mark as some mi- missteps of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the tropes, like some of the tropes are fine, like them trying to escape, uh, the lady getting shot in the leg, and then kind of limping. Mm-hmm. But then also we got the underwear trope. Oh yeah, where it's like gotta get those girls we, in their underwear. We, we have a horror film. We got some girls locked up. Yeah. Guess what? Girls, girl from Skins is getting her pants taken away. Yeah. Girl so, from uh, from uh, <laughs> fucking the longest yard getting her yeah. shirt taken so away. So halfway in the movie, two of our main characters are just in their underwear <laughs> without a, a apology. Yeah, he kind of wrote himself an out because the abductor's personality they set up. Is like he likes to watch girls. Yeah, in but his he kind of wrote himself an in with when he wrote that character. Yeah, but it's like. <laughs> It's like, so pe- I see some people defending that for that, but it's like, yeah, but he wrote that. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you don't need that part right. for it. So that part is a little mm, icky, but it is a well-known horror trope. Yeah. And he did play a lot of those tropes, so I feel like maybe he's just going with that gimmick. Yeah, could be. But, I mean, I could go either way. If someone came up to me and said, I hate this movie because... It sexualizes it's these sexualized women. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, and then and then the same breath you could go, yeah, I do too. But also, it makes me terrified for those characters yeah. when they have to be disrobed in front of this psychopath. Yeah. So yeah, I think you can go both ways with it. Yeah. I can't think of anything else. I mean, we talked way more than we planned to That's about true. this movie. I gotta go to class. That was Movie Babies the College Years. Rate us and review us at www.moviebabies.com. If you want to see more of these full-length reviews, let us know. Yeah, we saw Silence together, so maybe we could talk about Silence for four hours. <laughs> like, we should do a commentary for the first half of that movie just to get you through it. We were then- seriously debating bringing our phones into our viewing of Silence and just doing a Movie Babies episode from the theater. It's live from the theater. Yeah. Um, but anyways, catch you next time, because when you don't have time for a two-minute trailer, or in this case, a full-length movie, he knows he can't touch you. <laughs> I don't That's know. the movie, babies. <laughs> <laughs>